This is the Horse Radio Network. And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. This is episode 60 of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and Cashel Company. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse, brought to you in cooperation with the Retired Racehorse Project and New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. In today's episode, we speak with Kyle Rofus about his home bred's first race and first win. Megan McGuire, our RRP Spotlight writer, shares her story about her Christmas horse named Christmas Pickles, so appropriate, and how this mare's determination makes her perfect for the makeover. Leandra from New Vocations offers us another fabulous training tip and introduces us to our adoptable horse of the week. Stay tuned. Oh, and I forgot to mention, this week's listener shout out goes to Borrow Sport Horses. If you'd like to be our listener of the week, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Now back to the show. This is Joy Orr in Detroit, Michigan, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. Guys, I hope you're enjoying your summer because I can tell you, Jamie sure is. She is on vacation, living her life while I'm slaving away. I'm just kidding. I love being with you guys. This is fun for me. And I have something fun for you, too. We have our producer, George, on. George, say hi. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. George is so wonderful. Without George, you wouldn't have this show. And we love to torment George in all kinds of ways. We're going to do it today. We're going to share some of this torment with you because George is not a horse person. George, (laughs) tell us a little bit about how much you know about horses. I know that they are a method of transportation back in the day. I know that they are loyal and dependable friends and pets. But I do not have the nearest experience with them whatsoever. In fact, I think the only time I got close to one, I ran from one once. (laughs) (laughs) So an average answer of the non-horse person. So, George, I'm going to play a fun game with you. I'm going to name a couple of horse terms. And I want to see what your best guess of those things are going to be, okay? All right. As long as the audience doesn't hate me by the time we're done with this, I'm ready to go. They're not allowed, but if you do have complaints, please send them to Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. <laughs> um, that's where all those go. <laughs> of course. All right. So your first one is, what is a mare and what is a gelding? A mare and a gelding. A mare. I know this one. Like for This one, I think, is the easiest one. A mare is a female horse. Do I have that at least? Ding, ding, ding. You got one. Yes. Okay, got I got one. one on the board. At least I'm not coming out here with a full sweep. I got one answer right. Okay, good. Now, gelding. All right. My first reaction is to say it's some kind of bird, but that's not right. It's got to be something horse. So like baby horse? Not quite. Uh, it is a male horse who is uh, no longer intact. If oh, okay. We hired someone to fix. Okay, understood. We hired someone to fix it. A neuter, if you will. Got it. A geld, really? Gelding is the phrase. Okay. Gelding. So every time you hear Jamie say, make sure you spay, neuter, and geld. Now oh my gosh. Now it's all coming into place. I, <laughs> I thought, honestly, it would be included, but I'm glad she specified. Yes. It's also gelding. <laughs> yeah, it's also gelding. So that's okay. You got one, lost one, but we're going to keep it rolling. That's all 50. right. 50. If I tell you, George, we're going to be mucking out today. What do you think of? 
I'm assuming some sort of rivalry, friendship, camaraderie. We're going to go muck it up. We're going to go get muddy. No? I would prefer if that was the situation. Mucking out is also known as cleaning stalls. So we- well, all right. <laughs> but uh, it's not as fun as you made it sound. <laughs> well, I feel like that's the mucking around. Like it, it's the whole purpose of it is to make it sound way more fun just to get you to do it. Yes, it's something we use to get our children to get really involved in the stables. Otherwise, they know yeah. they're working. I don't know, because I feel like something like mucking around, it doesn't have that kind of boring inflection. Go clean. It's it's just a lot easier. It's a good move. This one, I think you'll get. I think you'll get this one. What is a canter? A canter. Um, isn't that a, a type of like teapot or something? Remember, we're horse related, George. We're not I, 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 you are correct. I'm sorry, but these are what the words <laughs> word association immediately goes to that. But yeah, you're right. Um, a canter kind of walk, maybe? Close. It is a gait of one of horses. So it's a three beat, basically a run. So you'll go walk to a trot, which is a two beat, and the canter is a three beat. So you're close. At least you're in the realm. I'll give you a half point for that one. I'll give you a half. Oh, my God. I didn't realize there were like drummer time signatures in horse stepping. Oh, my goodness. And someday I'll drill you on the gated horses, but I won't put you through that torture today. Oh, thank goodness. Now I have two more for you. What is a breast collar? Breast collar. Mm-hmm. Okay, I feel like I'd be cheating if I just said a collar that goes on the breast. You're not completely wrong. I feel uh, like it's self-explanatory. <laughs> yeah, that one was a pretty easy one. I'm glad you didn't overthink it because that's where it would have gotten you. It's a leather piece of tack that goes across the horse's chest, helping to keep the saddle in place or to be decorative if you like to be fancy. I just assumed it was like some sort of horse fashion item. Like it's a breast collar. You got a horse boa. You got different I mean, kinds of ideas. We'll glam these things up with feathers. You can yeah. run it, sequin. You can get real crazy with it if you want. Has anyone made like a denim outfit for a horse? It's like cowboy outfit on the horse. I'm sure someone's done it. I bet if I Google it, we could find it. And Listener I, out there, this is your call to action. <laughs> Design your horse with a nice denim outfit. Send it to us and we'll share it because that sounds hilarious. I don't okay. Know. Last one. This is for all the beans, George. All the beans. <laughs> all right. What is a frog? Now, this sounds like a trick question, but okay, here we go. So with my score of one out of zero. Two. We'll give you another half point because you basically got the breast collar. That's so, true. You know what? That's true. As for frog, I got to think. I'm going to use my foresight and my context. So a frog, you know, jumps. So something with a horse jumping it is a thing that a horse jumps over. I want to give it to you because that logic is so great. <laughs> so far off at the same time. So a frog is the V-shaped part of a horse's hoof, which acts as a shock absorber for them. So when we clean out their hooves, we stay away from the frogs. That's where all their nerve endings and stuff are. What? So I know. Like, like inside of a hoof, you call it a frog? I totally just went at you. I thought logically like horses, they jump and I get it. It's shock absorption when they land. But I guess I would call it frog legs or something. But that's even more random. So you know what? That's interesting. That's a good one. It makes a lot more sense than some of the other names you do call actual jumps like oxers and stuff like that. I'm like, who is it named after a person? What's going on there? But you know what? Uh, George, you are a great sport today. Thank you so much for playing because let's be real. 
half the time, some of us don't even know these terms. It's a never ending game of learning in the worst world. <laughs> Thank you so much for playing today. It was great. And I could keep doing this all day. Like I said, we love tormenting you, George. It's fun for us, but we have to get back to the show. We have some really great guests on, but before we do that, let's hear a word from our sponsor, Kentucky Performance Products. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Managing horses can be challenging. Each horse's personality affects the way he behaves and reacts to the world around him. Horses with certain dispositions can be at higher risk for developing health problems than others. High-strung or excitable horses are easily stressed, but so is the timid, quiet warrior. Stressed horses are more likely to develop digestive upsets that lead to colic, diarrhea, and ulcers. Nalox Advanced was specifically developed to support a digestive tract that is under stress. It sustains proper pH levels, reducing the incidence of ulcers and hindgut imbalances, while simultaneously supporting the healing of damaged tissues. Nalox Advanced supports the complete digestion of starches and sugars and sustains populations of beneficial bacteria. Make life a little easier on your sensitive horse and start him on Nalox Advanced today. To learn more about the ingredients in Nalox Advanced, visit Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. I feel very privileged to have my friend, the OTTV guy, as some of you may know, Kyle Rothfuss, on our line with us today. And he has such a wide experience with thoroughbreds, a, a lifetime of it so far. He's competed at the thoroughbred makeover several times. He's a level three certified Hartmany horsemanship instructor. And now he's the owner of a racehorse, which is amazing. Kyle, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joy. I'm so glad to be back on. I always love talking with you. It's always great to have you. And I'm so in love with your filly. It's almost an obsession at this point. Like I tell people who don't even really watch horse racing, like Lady Diana Former is going to be racing this week. You have to watch. I, I can't take this meeting. I have to watch this race. She has been just such an amazing story to follow. And you've been on our show a couple of times to talk about how you bred her. You shared that entire experience with anyone who follows you her training, and now she's racing. And she had her first race a few weeks ago, and she won. How nuts was that? (laughs) That was absolutely crazy. I think the craziest part was seeing how many people showed up at the track. That was really inspiring and and just so excited. It was so much excitement and all of us screaming at the finish line and then seeing the people all over the country and even the world that were watching, like you were said, like, not taking their meetings, but having their like, I'm secretly watching the race on my computer at work. And it was just really cool to see the odds change on her. She started the race at going into it at 10 to one. And then with all of her supporters actually throwing money toward her for betting on her to win and seeing her odds just keep dropping. It was an amazing feeling. Absolutely. And she puts it out there that she knows she's something special. Her attitude, she's not far from her mama's attitude for sure. But tell us a little bit about coming up to the race, kind of where your mindset was at and some of the preparation it took to get Diana to her first race. Because winning is not common for a maiden. No, it's not. If you figure everyone in that race was a maiden horse, meaning none of them had won. (laughs) So of of all the horses in the race, that meant that 
the others all are going to go on to not being first-time winners, or some of them had run before. So definitely not common. I feel extremely just blessed to have that happen that way. But leading up to the race, so you have to put in perspective too, right? This is the first horse I've bred personally. I've worked with the breeding farms before as a someone on a staff, but this is my first homebred. It's the first time I've decided to send a horse to the track rather than retire, just be working with retired racehorses. So this is like a first time racehorse owner, first time technically racehorse breeder, first time starter and a win is just crazy. So leading up to it, my brain was, I was not, I was, yes, I expected her to win because she's amazing, but I also was like, it was a little, there was a lot of fear and anxiety about I've gone into this racing side of things to try and show the off track thoroughbred world, the positives of racing and why I actually support racing. And so it was one of these where there's so much riding on if something went wrong, Oh my gosh, like what have I've actually done completely opposite of what my goal was, but also being scared about your Philly getting in the starting gate and if what if she doesn't make it around or what if she just doesn't like it and she comes out of the gate and just walks like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to be so embarrassed. So there were all those feelings of excitement and anxiety of this could be really, and I didn't really let myself get super excited until I saw her turn the, the turn, make the turn for home. And I, I was like, she's going to win this. Oh my gosh, she's going to win this. This is crazy. And I kept quoting the quotes from Secretariat the entire day because I'm obsessed with that movie. Wow. So I, all my life is around quotes like that. But that was definitely mentally going into it. I was super excited, but I also, there was a lot of anxiety about like, oh my gosh, this is really happening. Because she was in training that you asked about leading up to it, right? She was in training for a year before she went to that first race. So I sent her to Kentucky in June of 2020 as a two-year-old to start her training. And she was there and raced literally 364 days or 363 days later was her first race. So there was a lot that went into getting her there. Absolutely. I feel like you really took time with Diana. And I think that says a lot. You've been extraordinarily transparent in your process of bringing this horse along, which for anyone who loves horses, but maybe doesn't know a lot about racing is phenomenal for anyone who knows a lot about racing sets an example. And for anyone who doesn't know anything about horses and is just kind of coming into it, might see it from a friend, it's educating. And so I can imagine the pressure that there was for her just to make it across the finish line safe, let alone yep. what she was able to accomplish. Yeah, it was exciting. And then of course we got a little bit of a, uh questioning about the fact of choosing to put her in a stakes race three weeks later. So she wins. Mm -hmm. And then three weeks later, she's in her second race and it's a stakes race. And you know, we wouldn't have done it if we didn't think she was ready. And she came across the finish line third in that after a little bit of a, a bobble at that she was way out wide on the gate for starting position mm -hmm. and got moved from the turf to the dirt. But it was like, again, a feeling of, oh my gosh, like your step. Yeah. Because we know it's the right thing. We've taken our time and we were making very calculated decisions about what's right for her. So mm -hmm. I think that you're, you're right. It's, there's so much weight, but it's also, there's been so much time and patience and ups and downs through the whole process that, you know, we've just, that was a great reward to see her come across the finish line first in that race. Absolutely. Now, something that's very special about Diana is she didn't need a track pony to go down the track. She carried herself all by herself and just kind of owned her presence Tell us a little bit about how you think the work you did with her as a you know young filly might have helped prepped her for that. Yeah, as a from the day she was born, I was very big on exposing her to stuff, making things a non-event. 
that that went from like when she was like a yearling taking her on walks down the road into town out near where we live, like the little tiny town where we are, taking her down kind of the bike trails and walking her in by traffic and cars. She was able to be turned out by herself, like without screaming for her mother. We I did a gradual weaning process, so I didn't wean her until she was actually a year old in the sense of actually putting her out by herself. She was allowed to be with her mom until she was a year old. And then everything was kind of just done with a non-event. As a few-month-old filly, we were putting, I put an inner tube, like a swimming inner tube around her neck for a 4th of July photo. So she did that every year. Uh, It was just kind of the patience of getting her on the horse trailer. We loaded her on a trailer when she was only a few weeks old. And so she was learning to lead young. She was learning that noises and actually something Brian Waltz, my race trainer, has commented several times with, you can tell she's been exposed to a lot because she just doesn't care. She takes it all in stride. It was her mm-hmm. first time at the track that day, her first time ever at Belterra. She trailered in two hours before her race, walked to the paddock, quiet, no was like you said, was able to be let loose from the pony. And I think so much of that was just the daily interactions. Every And I do this with all my horses. It's every single day is a training opportunity. Every time I handle them, it's not doing things always the same way. It's picking up their feet in the field just because I'm kind of out there. Hey, let's check your feet. And getting them used to a, a routine, but also being able to adjust to the lack of a routine or changes in a routine. Absolutely. And it's very obvious. Diana carries kind of this executive presence with her. She carries mm-hmm. herself. It's beautiful to watch. She knows she's large and in charge. She's just got the best personality. But I think it really does set an example for anyone. We hear it all the time. There's all these baby foals that are born. They're put out to pasture for a year. Then they're pulled out. Then all these things are happening to them very quickly. And this is a very general stance. Not every breeder is doing this, but mm-hmm. this is what you hear when you're not involved in the race world. And you're yeah. saying you don't have to. If you handle them every day, they can take it. Like they're fine. They enjoy it. She clearly enjoys what she's doing. Yep. And she's handled every day at the track. There are things I did that I'm learning because now her dam, Freya, Lady McJazz, is actually in full again to have her second full now this coming spring in 2022. And I've learned stuff about like things I did. Like I tried to not get in Diana's way. I tried to let her be a horse as much as I could. I'm not going to correct things that are, that's just baby behavior. Like it's just things you just kind of let, but difficult or dangerous things. I'm going to, we're going to address that. We're going to make sure that we have a, a redirect on that. So there's things like that. But then there are things I did that were just silly of me. I thought when I get horses off the track, they tend to really kind of always want to push their shoulder or pop their shoulder a lot. So I made the assumption and mental connection. That was because coming down the stretch, they need to be able to push back against a horse. So if a horse pushes into their lane, they need to push back rather than yield. So I didn't teach Diana to yield her shoulders as much as I probably should have. So she got a little pushy in her initial training. Mm. She knew to yield her haunches, but yielding her shoulders, I didn't push as much, which anyone who knows Harmony Horsemanship, it's one of the seven ABCs as you're actually moving those Mm. shoulders over. So I didn't do that with her and I will do it with the second one. So you kind of learn, everything's a learning opportunity. And that was one of the, I'm excited for this next fold because now I know a little bit different little things and it's minor tweaks that I'll make. Absolutely. Ah, it's so great. So for Diana, she's got obviously a very nice career unfolding. She's got a great start to it anyway. What are your next hopes for her? What can we expect to see coming up for her? So 
The hopes are for her to do another stakes race, run a couple more Ohio stakes races. Obvious, I'd love to see her at Breeders' Cup, but I'm being reasonable too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brian jokes with me a lot of like, I would love to see her future Hallmark movie. She has to go to the Olympics and win a gold medal first, and then <laughs> she can be in eventing or dressage and then have her Hallmark movie. But like, it legitimately, I do think a lot of this, and Tim Austin, who you've had on the show before, and Tim has actually helped start Diana. He works with Brian a lot. Tim actually always said to me, he goes, Kyle, if you don't make the big dreams, if you don't put the big aspirations out there, you'll never have a chance at actually reaching them. So I joke in a lot of ways about I'd love to see her run in graded, a graded stakes race against really tough company. But I, I have to have that dream because if I don't have that dream, she never has a chance of even consider. We don't wouldn't even consider it for her. So the next thing for her is hopefully another race in four to six weeks from now. Mm-hmm. Another hopeful stakes race or some we have our eyes on. We'll just see which one is the right company. Run a couple more races this year and then give her the winter to kind of just relax. Maybe go be a dressage pony for the winter. Maybe do the makeover in the future with me or with another trainer. And just kind of have the ability to really do what each day, kind of take it day by day. Yeah, the big dream is for her to race for a few more years. If she's staying healthy and sound and happy and seems to be thriving and not just surviving, as long as she's thriving, She'll stay on the racetrack until she's six, seven, you know, eight, even if she's running well, and then retire her and let her move on to, and I'm retire. I always talk about transitioning careers, right? She transitioned mm-hmm. careers into dressage or eventing or mountain trail challenge or all of the above, or maybe being a mama. We'll kind of plan for that. But yeah, the next step really is to just keep her fit and focus on another stakes race, hopefully near the middle to end of August. I love it. And something you've always said since the beginning of this process, you had it, I think on one of our first episodes with you as well, when you were bringing Diana up and this idea of her, you manifested this idea of this horse. You always had said, you know, the moment she doesn't like it, the moment she seems stressed or isn't enjoying it anymore, you were going to pull her off the track. And I think you have honored her wishes in full that she loves this. She loves being the spotlight. She loves digging her heels in and pushing herself. And I've watched her breeds videos. She likes being first Kyle. Like she enjoys it in full. (laughs) So you really understood this horse and still do. And that's so honorable. So thank you so much for continuing to share your story of Diana. We wish her the best of luck in the next races. If people want to follow her, where's the best place to do that? Best places on Facebook, facebook.com, OTTB guy is the backslash at the end of that. But yeah, you can search for me on Facebook as OTTB Mare Guy or Kyle, the OTTB Mare Guy. Um, and I'll come up But the simple URL is facebook.com slash OTTB guy. Perfect. And I'm going to give you a shameless plug as well, Kyle. If you guys are interested in sponsoring Diana's career, you can go to ottvguide.com slash sponsor and see a little bit about her story and your mission for her. To me, it's worth it. You've been so generous sharing her entire journey. You're also been generous with her earnings and even set aside to give your groom some extra funds that isn't traditionally done. You've just been yeah. a shining example, Kyle. So if we can help you out achieving this dream, it makes it a little bit. It's like Dream Horse Part Two. When Diana gets her movie, yes. she's just a second. When you had that interview, I was so excited for you because I've followed that story and it is, did make me think, see of a lot of parallels there. But mm-hmm. yeah, and thanks for mentioning the site. You can also get hats with her racing logo and stickers on there for now. But I'm, I'm going to get some more merchandise out there. I'm at some actually point. wearing my Mareworthy sweatshirt right now. 
Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much, Kyle, for joining us. And we will look forward to seeing you and Diana's success in the future. Thanks, Joy. I cannot believe that we're only just a few weeks away from the Retired Race First Project Thoroughbred Makeover. We have Megan McGuire, who is our RRP Spotlight writer for this episode. She's a former Weston writer who made the jump to the world of hunter jumpers. And yes, it was a pun intended. You all love it. We know it. She has been writing OTTVs for a few years now and set her sights on competing in the makeover this year with her horse Christmas Pickles. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course. It's I just have to say, before the show started, I was telling George how excited I was that your horse's name is Christmas Pickles and that you got this horse around Christmas. Can you please tell us a little bit about, I know it's an amazing story, but how did you find a horse at like the perfect time for her name? (laughs) I I think it was uh, fate or some divine intervention. My, I had just had a baby and my, my old horse is now retired and my husband had encouraged me to start looking for a new project. And so I had scoured the internet and I couldn't find anything. Mandy from the Secretariat Center reached out to me and was like, hey, we have a few newbies coming in if you want to take a look. And so I got on their website and I saw Christmas Pickles and I was like, oh my gosh, that's like the best racehorse name ever. And there was no information about her. So I messaged her. was like, I'd love to know more information about this horse. She got back to me. I loved the video from the first time I saw it and was Mm -hmm. like, I need pickles in my backyard. Like pickles (laughs) is my next horse. (laughs) Um, Fast forward a little bit. They, I couldn't leave to go see her because I'm in North Carolina and Mm -hmm. with COVID, it just wasn't possible. So they let me do a Zoom meeting to meet Pickles and they wrote her for me. They showed me how she tacked up, everything like that. She had come in with a cut on her leg and yeah, the vets had looked at it. They were doing some antibiotics and wrapping it and everything like that. And it was healing fine. So I wasn't super concerned, but after they wrote her, I was like, ah, I need this horse. What do we do next? And then we went on with a pre-purchase exam. She passed with flying colors, and then she was then mine and delivered right before Christmas. <laughs> so perfect. But Maggie, before we keep going off the story, there were like so many things that popped in my head. One, you had a new baby, <laughs> and you're like, let me get a horse right now after I had a baby. You have a husband who's like, get a project. Where did you find this husband who says, go buy a horse? Because listen, we're all looking. We're all looking for this man to add to our lives and justify our addictions here. You also do like the, the quarantine cutie, like the quarantine cutie method of, yeah, I'll just zoom. And then I'll make my just like, you're doing all the things that we always are like, one, we either want it or we warn against. And we support it all. Megan, we support everything that's going on right now. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of technologically challenged. So when they were like, (laughs) oh, we'll just Zoom you. I'm like, what is a Zoom? And so they had to walk me through the process. And I was like, this is interesting. But honestly, it wasn't that bad. They were very thorough in video everything. And yeah, I'm very fortunate. My husband, like, he's super supportive. And he actually caught the little horse bug from us dating and getting married. So like... He understands you not riding is just not happy for our relationship and our marriage. (laughs) 
smart man. And, and if he has friends, yes. let us know. And we can definitely do, you know, some speed dating. We have lots of listeners who would be interested. In yes. <laughs> Let's get back to Christmas pickles because okay. it wasn't all smooth sailing when you first got her. It was not part of one of the other things Mandy had told me was like her ground manners for a thoroughbred aren't up to standard and she's a little pushy. And I was like, no big deal. And she was, but I uh, got her in wintertime and it was really rainy here in coastal Carolina and muddy. So I took her up to a friend that's a trainer to get her out of the mud to help mm-hmm. her adjust and get her going. And she was up there about three weeks and they called me and told me, she was not weight bearing on her left hind leg and they didn't know it was wrong. Hmm. So they had their vet out and that was like, Oh, it's this old wound. She has an infection in the joint. The bone is deteriorating and we recommend euthanasia. And I was like, wait, Gosh. <laughs> yeah, I just bought this horse. She just passed the vet with flying colors. Like I have an x-ray of that leg. It's great. So my vet was like, I think you should go to state since it's right down the road and get a second opinion. And that's what I did. I took her to state and they were able to fix her. There was no joint involvement. It had just been an infection that got to the bone, but it ended up being not as bad as what the x-ray had shown. She had surgery. And then we did a long rehab process after that. What a start to the new year. Oh my gosh. Right. Wow. And it happened like a week after being accepted into the RRP. So I was like, no. (laughs) Yeah. I can't even imagine that like the excitement you have and just to have someone like poke, you know, a a pin into that idea and say, sorry, it's not going to go through. And luckily it all worked out, but still, I can't imagine where your mind was at for those first couple of weeks till you got an answer. And thank goodness you trusted your gut and got a second opinion. Yeah, it was not the conversation one was expecting. Mm -hmm. And then state said that they am pretty sure that they could fix her. But again, it wasn't guaranteed. And then if she could do the rehab of standing in a stall for a month and Mm -hmm. then hand walking for a month afterwards. And she like did it with flying colors. Like I'm really impressed for the three coming four-year-old baby thoroughbred to stand in Mm -hmm. a stall with all her friends running around. Definitely a gritty mare, like all business. She's here to be like, here I am. I'm here to do the show. Just tell me what I need to do. And she gets business done. And that's amazing. Yeah, she is like a super gritty mare. She is not lovey-dovey at all. Like she'll have some affection on her own terms. Mm -hmm. And when you feed her cookies, it has to be by your hand. The cookie part has to be like up out of your finger so she can take half of it and then come back for the other half. Oh my gosh. (laughs) She's super her way or the highway kind of a thing when it comes to certain things, but under saddle, she is all business and loves her job. I love that. One of the best horses I ever had was exactly like that. And she went out and she enjoyed what she did. She always put on a show, but when he came back to the barn, she's like, okay, like brush me and leave. Like we've done our thing. Oh, oh, I love it. It's, Big personalities are always fun and perfect for the makeover. We're going to fast forward a little bit. You say she's doing great under saddle. What are your hopes for the makeover and how's your training been going for that? My hopes, my hopes is to make it with no other snafus along the way, but it's going very well. She loves to jump and our jumping is coming along beautifully. Our flat work is coming along. We're hoping to do the jumpers and then the eventing division. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
So we'll see. Eventing's kind of new to myself, but I figured why not? Like mm-hmm. we'll, we'll branch out and see what we can do. But yeah, like I hope to make it there and I hope, hope Pickles does well and continues. Either way, I'm excited for her over the next you know few years to develop her more and see where she goes. I think that's a great goal to have. And it seems like that's the whole purpose behind the makeover at the end of the day. It's a fun challenge for you. It's heart and determination and giving your all to this horse to see what they can do. And it's it's not about necessarily winning, but doing the best you can with the time you have. Yeah, no, it's really not. And I'm from the West Coast and we moved out here to the East Coast. And let me tell you, you can't ride all the time. Like it's no. not, there's no <laughs> training five days a week. Unless you have a cupboard or an indoor out here mm-hmm. on the coast. I mean, we get hurricanes and rainstorms and bugs. Like, I've never had so many bugs in my life. It's um, a real issue. It's a real it's issue. It's an issue. <laughs> but, no, like, I still plan to go to the makeover. My goal is to do the best we can and to make it a positive experience for her. Mm-hmm. Because she just turned four, and she's been through a lot this year. Placing high is always... It's always a nice extra, like a cherry on top. But, again... Yeah. It's all about the process. Absolutely. It's a great journey. It's a great experience. I think where you're coming from with this horse, it started out a bit rocky, a bit questionable, even from the beginning, just you're buying a horse on Zoom, sight unseen in a lot of ways, and you just trusted your gut. And I think that's going to go far. I feel like you two probably have a lot of trust within each other. Oh, yeah. It's, it's It's been a building relationship. And Honestly, I think the stall and the rehab kind of brought us together in a lot of different ways than just, hey, she's here. Let's just pack up and go riding. Like we we spent a lot of ground time together and changing bandages and just watching her and just being there with her through the process. And I think that's kind of helped as well. Definitely an inspirational story and something we can all take away. You don't have to have your horse injured, but the ground time, it makes a huge difference when you put it in. It really Huge. Yeah. Thank you so much, Megan, for sharing the story. If people want to follow you and Christmas Pickles, where's the best place they can do it? Christmas Pickles has a Facebook page. I think it's Christmas Pickles 2021 RRP Hopeful. I post on there regularly and you can just follow her journey. Awesome. So make sure to check that out. We will be following your journey as well. And we look forward to seeing you in October. Great. Thank you. I look forward to seeing you guys as well. Awesome. Thank you, Megan. It would not be another episode of Retired Racehorse Radio without one of our main squad members, Leandra Cooper from New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. Welcome back to the show, Leandra. Hey there. I feel like we're in weird weather where it's hot, then it's cold, then it's wet. It's a lot of things going on, Leandra. Are you experiencing the same thing at New Vocations? Oh, absolutely. There's a lot of pretty wild weather that seems unseasonable and then very seasonable all at the same time. Yeah, it's definitely been an interesting summer for sure. What are your best tips for staying cool or even being adaptable in summer? I would say number one is just to try to stabilize the horse's patterns as much as possible. So one of the primary ways that we do that in any sort of seasonal transition is to make sure that the horses are consistently drinking water. Uh, That's a big one, just as far as keeping their health stable. So we feed summer games electrolytes 
in the grain so they have it all the time and the horse is very palatable and we have a lot of picky horses but that sort of eliminates the whole risk of having a salt block that they may or may not actually lick and get the new the minerals and the electrolytes and salt that they need to continue to have that urge to drink water even when things are because sometimes when they're really hot that they're not going to be drinking water. It seems like this natural connection, but it can, they can just get stressed and whatnot. So just trying to keep their pattern stable, so still always providing fresh water, making sure the buckets are clean because it's also really easy for them to get algae mm-hmm. grimy when it's humid and hot, But and then they'll stop drinking water. So everything that you can do to continue to stabilize their pattern like that and then one of my favorite tricks for cooling down a horse who's really warm, so say that you've washed them and they're hot and you're thinking, what's the best way to cool them down quickly? And there's actually research on this that has shown that nice cold hose bath is the quickest way that you can do that. Other people will choose to just maybe hand walk them until they're completely dry and some people will put ice boots on them. There are lots of different ways that you can see mm-hmm. that people will try to rapidly cool down a horse. And a good old cold hose is is a, a simple and really easy, effective way to cool them down. But also we go by the rule of thumb that if your ambient temperature, so that's the temperature that will read outside, like on a thermometer, so say it's 84 degrees plus your humidity. So if it's over 140, take a lot of precaution. If it's over 150, it's probably better just to not ride and stress them out unless Mm -hmm. for some reason you have to and still take extreme caution. And then finally, I, if I'm really feeling the need to like pamper the horse, or if you know that it's hot and you're in the middle of a competition, you're just trying to take it easy and cool them down. And maybe you have your pail of water and sponge and all of that. I like to keep a liniment bath handy just as another way to help that boost that cold hosing or cold mm-hmm. bath process. And they have a lot of really nifty ways that you can have a little portable liniment, uh, like bath bomb sort of thing, or a lot of really good products out there for that. But it's pretty simple. Like I said, just managing their routine so that they're going to continue to drink and eat as normally as possible, not overloading them with one thing or another. Keep that pretty stable. Like I said, we feed that constantly. So it's not just like a massive influx of salt or electrolytes. You just Mm -hmm. eat it every day. Try to keep it consistent and then just cool them down as quickly and efficiently as you can. All wonderful and great tips. And also, if you can have the luxury of riding early in the morning or later in the evening, always a plus too. I know not all of us get it, but if you have it, your horse will thank you. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) For your own comfort too. Your own comfort too. And wear sunscreen, everybody. I was just going to say the same thing, wear your sunscreen. Yes. So tell us about our adoptable horse of the week, Mickey Aaron. How does he handle temperature changes? Mick Aaron, he's a really cool horse. He's one of our older residents, which kind of makes me laugh because he's only six years old, but that makes him basically geriatric in our barn. But he actually raced in Ireland before he came over here. So this is definitely different than what he's probably used to, but he's handled it really well. 
Um, fortunately, he's a horse who's pretty stoic and consistent through everything. But sometimes it is really important to keep an eye on those ones who always seem so. They might not be the ones raising the alarms, but they're, they're obviously in things like hot weather or whatnot. It's important to keep an eye on them too. But fortunately for us, He's been very easy in the barn. He's an easy citizen. He's been a really good role model for some of the younger horses. Again, six years old isn't that old, but he's been quite mature. And he's just a lovely horse. His personality is very goofy. We get a lot of adopters who are really looking for that X factor of the personality. And he's definitely got it. He's a horse who loves attention, and but he's not over eager to get it. He's not really annoying kind of in your pocket. He just, he's plenty of personality without being overwhelming in it. But he definitely has that loves to work personality. But that I think is really important for some people, especially if you're wanting to do more. Everybody likes a horse who's been there, done that, and relaxed. But if they don't want to work, then you're always going to be fighting that uphill battle. But Mick Aaron loves to work. He really likes to be in the midst of it, whether you're just hacking him out or if you're doing some work in the ring. And he just he takes up a lot of leg. He's 16-1, so it's kind of that perfect size. And he's in a really nice liver chestnut with chrome. So he's eye-catching. But what's really, I think, one of the most interesting things about McCarran is he actually retired from racing after 20 starts. He came to us with a history of arthritis in his ankles. That was becoming problematic for racing, obviously, because it requires them being at their peak physical fitness. And that had, was something that had started to come up. And fortunately, his donors were just mindful of that and said, okay, it's time for him to take it down a notch. And when he came to us, he had, obviously, we noticed the same thing. His baseline jog was pretty good. The ankles were another thing we just thought were with um, the consult of our vet, we knew we're going to be a limiting factor for him. And we were pretty conservative as in his profile. If you look at that on our website with his, what we have put out there as his physical ability. So pretty low level, but we really didn't know to what extent because our vet advised because arthritis is one of those things that it's kind of a one-way street. We don't have any way of really, we, don't, we can't reverse it. So you can stabilize it and eventually it's just sort of the natural process to develop arthritis and it will continue. But there's a product, polyacrylamide, that um, is still very new. I guess it was actually developed originally as a cosmetic filler. But it's being used in very narrow application now, having just been kind of approved for use in the U.S. and in horses for things like osteoarthritis to help not only stabilize joints that have joint damage, but also they're thinking maybe it could prevent it as well. It's all still very early age. And we had used it with some other horses who just seemed like they had really limited options anyway as kind of a Hail Mary And for one horse, it made it so that she went from being at a stage of soundness that we weren't really confident that she would even be a good companion type horse. And now she's happily being a broodmare and happy to be out in a field and and sound enough for that. McAaron had that injected in both his front ankles and he went from a place of being like decently comfortable at a trot after he had a couple weeks here and he was all let down and and we could tell that he was going to be pretty limited. He had the injection. You give it around four weeks to take full effect. And he was walk trot cantering. He's 
stepped over some cross rails and has never looked back from that. So it's one of those things that we still, because it's such a new thing for us, we, we don't really know what to expect. We've had some horses who don't respond as much if they're already kind of too far along. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's very new to us too. And it's just exceptional that it has worked so well for him where our vet uses a lameness locator. So it's we actually have this completely objective baseline of where he started before the injection. And then after it showed 100% improvement, which almost never happens anyway. It doesn't matter if the horse has a different lameness and whatnot. It just gives us usually the way to track improvement. And we had never seen it before, but 100% improvement. So I don't really have an explanation for that other than it being kind of, you know, that you hate to say like a miracle drug because it doesn't work that way all the time, I'm sure. But for him, it really has has opened up a totally new horizon. We just aren't quite sure what it is. So needless to say, we're really excited to see where he's going to go in the future. And hopefully he'll just find an adopter who can kind of (laughs) ride into that horizon, whatever it is, with just being able to check in with him and sort of take it Mm -hmm. easy and see what that limit's going to be. We truly just don't know. Obviously, what's happening is working. I'm watching his video. He just floats around. He looks happier than any horse I've seen. He just looks like a really lovely guy. He carries himself really confidently. I could easily see him going into some dressage or Western pleasure, Western dressage. Like he definitely has a future at hand. And guys, I know you're going to not believe how much money New Vocations is asking for because it's pretty, it's ridiculous. I'll tell you, he's $500 with 20% off until the 25th. So today. Yeah, so that <laughs> that brings him down to oh, I can't do the math in my head. Four hundred dollars is that yeah, four hundred dollars yeah. now in, until July twenty fifth. But yeah, we're really asking for a lot here. <laughs> I know you guys are so demanding, but check out McGarren and all the other horses at New Vocations at horseadoption.com. Leandra, thank you so much for joining us again, and we will see you next episode. Thanks for having me. Guys, we're at that halfway point. You know what I'm talking about fly season. It's here. It's gross. We hate it. But don't worry, because Casual Company's got your back. Casual Company's Crusader line has everything you and your horse need to stay fly-free and comfortable this summer. Available in fly masks, fly sheets, and fly boots, Casual Company's Crusader line comes in an array of styles and sizes that offer an amazing alternative to chemical-based fly sprays that are expensive and they don't last that long. Like, who's got time for that? And if you think it ends there, it doesn't. Don't forget to check out Cashel's Quiet Ride line as well to enjoy those long summer hacks and don't worry about the flies ruining your ride. So treat you and your horse to some fly-free comfort and check out Cashel Company's Crusader and Quiet Ride products today at any other nationwide authorized dealers or visit www.cashelcompany.com. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website at retiredraceforceradio.com. Like us on Facebook and Instagram, just search for Retired Racehorse Radio. You can follow us on Twitter. Like We're not really there, but there are other Horse Radio Network peeps there at Horse Radio. Jamie has a Facebook page, Flyover Farm, Jamie Jennings, Certified Monty Roberts Instructor, and you can email her at jamie at horseradionetwork.com. My email is joy at horseradionetwork.com or find me on Instagram, the foodie equestrian. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products and Cashflow Company. We could not do this without you. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Remember to set your goals high and love to learn from every ride and spay, neuter, and geld, which is a non-intact boy horse. Bye, guys. Bye.